But what we're talking about, again, is that your emotional intelligence is more important than your intellectual quotient. That's what IQ stands for, is your intelligence quotient. Basically, the whole point is, is that your relationship skills are more important than the competence or mm. how smart you are. I'm Rhett. And I'm Brandon. And, and we're, we're the house dads. Because we're dads who sell houses. But we're also husbands, business owners, sports freaks, Christians, friends, marketing nerds, TV show bingers, and so many more things. Like so many of you, we're just trying to do it all. And we're trying to do it well. And that's what we're here to talk about. All right, guys. Welcome back. Episode 10. Here we are. We're in the double digits. Big time. So that means we're, we're hitting the big time. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to the 10th episode of House Dads. As always, we think we got something good for you. So for I hope sure. we can deliver on that. Yep. Uh, we have the topic, uh, I'll be honest, Brandon sent it and I wasn't like the most <laughs> thrilled. I was like, I don't really know what that is. But learning about it, I'm like, this is going to be a good one. It's about emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think at first you were thinking it was artificial intelligence. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I just saw intelligence and I'm like, this is... That doesn't sound exciting. Yeah, but no, reading about it and you're about to hear about it. It's good stuff. Yeah, and I think uh, very much like you, um, emotional intelligence. I've never, really, I didn't really hear that word much, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think about it more than I really thought I did. Yeah. Once I started to study a little bit more, you've heard a lot about IQ. Yep. And thankfully, that your IQ. What we're going to talk about today is that your IQ doesn't actually lead automatically to success. And yeah. I think we can all think Thank about God. people who are really smart. Yes. But maybe not super successful, but that your EQ, your emotional yes. intelligence can really lead to some different successes. And, and simply put, it's like kind of like how well you did on your ACT Oof. or how uh, street smart street <laughs> you consider smart. yourself to yeah. be. How do you do uh, standardized <laughs> tests, ACT, <laughs> stuff like that? Give a disclaimer. Uh, I'm not a very good test taker. Gotcha. Uh, we actually took, for some reason, our school thought it was a good idea in like middle school to like make us take the Golly. ACT just to see what we do. I think yeah. I got a 13 that on that. I think you but get that for your putting your name, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anything. Yeah. But uh, the best that I've gotten, I believe it was like, I think a 23. Let's go. That's yeah. Basically, it was the minimum you needed to like get tops. Not bad. Yeah. yeah that's good. What, what'd you do? Uh, I don't. I, I say that. and <laughs> you I can even lie. Nobody will know. No, I actually... I'll never forget, we took our test. Uh, I scheduled to take it one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got lucky, I'm telling you. I'm lucky. not that good at tests. Okay. I really got lucky because my IQ probably wouldn't rank very high, but we went and traveled all the way down in high school to play St. Mar- Martinville. Mm-hmm. It's like a two-hour drive, and then we had the ACT the next morning, and me and a couple of the guys uh. stayed the night in the field house, woke up, <laughs> walked over to school, <laughs> took the test, and I got a 27, but 27. I, yeah, okay. So like, there he's I'm not up, that he knew good that. At tests. that that helped me with some tops for sure. Yes. but I'm not that good at tests. Um, my IQ would not be that high, and thankfully that that's not going to lead us to success. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today: is your emotional intelligence and yep. what that really means. And most of the things we're going to be talking about today it comes from a book um, by a guy named Daniel Goleman or Goleman. Uh, he wrote it back in the 90s. So it's not like a new book that you've probably seen on the New York bestseller. Mm-hmm. But I listened to a, a couple other podcasts talking about emotional intelligence. And and when I started to study this more, it's something that I started to teach uh, my, my brokerage on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's going to be difficult to try and keep this just under 30 minutes because it took two weeks to cover with them. <laughs> we can do it, man. I think we can do it. I don't I talk as much as some agents. Yeah, so sure. Yeah, we can we'll be good. Convince it. But what we're talking about, again, is that your emotional intelligence is more important than your intellectual quotient. That's what IQ stands for, is your intelligence quotient. I literally didn't know that until this very second. Yeah, right. You always heard IQ, but <laughs> yeah, don't know what that means. IQ stood for intelligence 
science, which stands for intelligence quotient. Okay. Basically, the whole point is, is that your relationship skills are more important than the competence or mm. how smart you are. Mm. Right? So good thing. And the good thing also about emotional intelligence is that it's not set. Yeah. Right? Like that you're not just born with a certain amount of yep. emotional intelligence, that it can drastically or greatly be improved. For, yeah. Makes now, the sense. good thing about that is that it can be improved, but the bad thing about it is that you could not improve yeah. it. And you could always say the same. That's why, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite song lyrics, but it's, you could be a boy to the day that you lay in your grave. I almost wrapped that a little bit. But he did. I was like, you going, can keep going. That's why you meet people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s who have not grown yeah. emotionally. Yeah. And so maybe their EQ, their emotional quotient, or their emotional intelligence has not grown. Yeah. And so it can negatively be impacted as well. That makes sense. I love it. What, so EQ stands for emotional intelligence. Yep. IQ stands for intelligent quotient. That's right. Exactly. And so some stats that I found on emotional intelligence uh, from vantage, vantagecircle.com. I don't think we, we frequent do, that site all the time. I don't time. think we have to do like a bibliography or something like that. Yeah, but if you want resources, we'll uh, send yeah, them to we'll you. We'll find them to you. It's vantagecircle.com. Go <laughs> yeah, there. We'll find them. <laughs> but uh, some of these, I have no idea how they measured. Uh, just a disclaimer out there. But Start we're going to say it. it. Yeah, so 90% of top performers have above average emotional intelligence. Okay. Emotional intelligence is responsible for 58% of job performance. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. It's not necessarily how well you know your job. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. like for a real estate agent, how well you know the purchase agreement, that most of it is actually your emotional intelligence. We're going to break that down here in a minute, what that means. Yeah. 75% of the Fortune 500 companies use emotional intelligence training training i like that and i think actually when we think about house dads and what it's about it's not necessarily just refining your skills in these particular industries it really is growing your emotional intelligence that's yeah. what we do yeah um emotionally intelligent people earn twenty nine thousand more on average it's so specific no idea how they measure that one <laughs> just round it up 30 but if you want to earn twenty nine thousand dollars more a year you just got to become more just work on your eq <laughs> that's all you gotta do Every point in increase in emotional intelligence adds $1,300 to an annual salary. Again, no idea how they track that. But <laughs> We're they track it. this over some of the bigger Fortune 500 companies. But I want to quiz you on this, oh, put you snap. on the spot. Do you have an idea what the average IQ score is? <laughs> no. I know you need a 680 credit score to get there. You go. That's pretty good. I I don't even know the range of what like is a good. You can tell me, and I'll be like, is that good? Yeah. So when you Google. Um, like IQ test, like you can go online and take an IQ test. Yeah. I learned too that you can go online and take an EQ test. Now I'm pretty sure though that you that's could probably to, get a little faulty with the yeah, EQ test. Yeah, that's uh, that's hard to do in a, hard on to a really written, judge on yeah, a yeah. test. Multiple choice. Yeah, I think it's something that really really can't be tested. Yeah, that's why these statistics. I, I really would say we take them with a grain of salt. Yeah, for sure. But principles it, are all the same. Yeah, an average IQ score is the same as an average EQ score because the standard is a hundred. Okay. A hundred. A hundred okay. is the average. Anything above a one thirty on either is considered to be superior or excellent. Anything below eighty, we're gonna have to start asking some questions. <laughs> Little questions. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's interesting. So okay. the average is a hundred. So if you go and you go online and take an IQ test or an EQ test, if you get a hundred, you're perfectly average. If you get lower or above, then you just go from there. We should have taken the test before this podcast. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, Maybe sure. we could do that as like a follow up. Yeah, we'll do that after, and we'll let you know. We'll post it. Follow us. See if we're average, perfectly average, as you said. That's right. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, yeah. We'll see. So now we're going to dive into the nitty-gritty of it. So Daniel Goleman, what he does is he breaks down emotional intelligence in five parts. Uh, the first part is self-awareness. 
And self-awareness, simply put, if you look it up in Webster, it's your ability to recognize your moods, your emotions, and your drives. And this is the important part, how well it affects other people. That's the kicker, yeah. how it affects other people. 100%. So you have to ask yourself, are you aware of how you actually make other people feel? Yeah. How do your moods, how do your emotions, and how, do you, how does your drive affect other people? Yeah. You know, so you have to consider um, when you're in certain environments, when you, you, your moods or your emotions fluctuate, we're all aware that we have them. But when we have them, when we have a good mood, bad mood, whatever it is, how does it affect other people? And I think an important part of this is understanding what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, there's nothing that can get you more in your emotions and your feelings than when you're bad at something. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking uh, initially off of like not being aware of how other people are affected right. when people complain that they're like hangry. It's like, oh, I'm just hangry. I'm yes. like, you're aware of that. Great. But it's making everybody else miserable. Exactly. So maybe you aren't good at planning your meals or I don't know. That's it, no, total that's great, off, off no, the topic. But it, it's being aware of, hey, I need a Snickers. Yes. Right? <laughs> Eat a Snickers. Yeah. You're making us all miserable. It, it, exactly. It's being aware of when you don't have enough food or, or when you're hot or when you're tired or when you're whatever you are how your moods and your impulses yeah. and your drives affect other people. And I'm telling you, one of the things that gets my, me and my feels the most is when I'm not good at something. Yeah. I want to be good at something. Yeah. I'm competitive. competitive. Yeah. And so it's important. It's not only important to know what you're good at. It's super important to know what you're not good at. Yeah. And we talked about this in previous episodes, but you know, um, a lot of times we just focus on um, improving our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> it, it's important too, to be comfortable and, and be confident in what you're not, good at yeah. so that you can surround yourself with other people that are, and you're not trying to overcompensate yeah. and, and understand that you're, you know, you, you can just understand who you are. The more that you understand who you are, the better off you'll yeah. be. Yeah. Are you the type of person when you're not good at something that you like try to get better? Are you kind of like, eh, I'll just focus on the good stuff. Um, I think that I probably, if you had to say like two extremes, I think I still, I, I probably rely more heavy, heavily on my strengths. Yeah. Um, and I like to improve my weaknesses, yeah. but if anything, one thing that I've learned lately is that I do try and delegate those weaknesses. Yeah, as opposed say, to doing time it. is really important right That's now. That's exactly right. Stage, so. so like, I know that I can really sharpen my strengths and really get better at the things that I'm good at mm-hmm. and the things that I'm not naturally good at. It's going to take me more time to get good at them. Right. And so I want to improve them, but what's even more efficient for me is somebody who's already good in that area to partner with them. Yeah, absolutely. But I totally agree. Being understanding who you are, just it's going to make you a better person. Understanding what you're good at, what you're not good at. That just, you know, helps you figure it out. Exactly. And so self-awareness, like you used with the example of being hangry and Mm -hmm. eating a Snickers, being self-aware is, is good, but it can't be the end all be all. The first thing is being self-aware. The second thing builds off of it. Then it's self-regulation. Because self-awareness, again, okay, now we understand that we're frustrated. We understand that we're hungry. We understand that we're happy, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever it is, we need to be able to now, we've assessed it. Mm -hmm. We get what we are. We're self-aware, but then we need to be able to regulate it. So the definition of self-regulation is the ability to control or redirect your impulses or moods. And so we all know that there's times when we don't have good emotions. And I think it's also just as equally as important is when I think specifically in like a real estate setting or in any setting, like when you have a big success or when you just closed a big deal. And if you walk into, you walk into a funeral and like, we just closed this deal. (laughs) Know the room, know the room. Like you even have to be able to control your excitement at times. Mm -hmm. So it's not only do you have to be able to control your disappointment, your anger, your frustration, you even have to be able to control your positive emotions 
to be able to regulate and recognize that we have to be able to redirect them. Yeah. Right. And especially as leaders and, you know, in our families, not only in just our businesses, we need to be able to create, create environments where people don't have to wonder what mood we're in. Yes. We Golly. all know that you ever work for a boss or somebody <laughs> that like yes. you showed up and you had no idea I, what kind of mood they were in. I or, used to work at a gym in college. It was like literally a month probably two months maybe. Yeah. You never knew what mood the the macho man owner, sometimes he'd pull up in his like Hummer, those big Hummer twos. <laughs> sometimes he'd be like the coolest dude. Right. And sometimes he would just yell. Like yeah. you just never knew what you were going to get. So it was always, everybody was always on edge whenever yep. he came in. Yeah. And that's not healthy. No. That's not healthy in a family. It's not it. healthy in a relationship. It's not healthy in a business. That's why one of my biggest commitments is to self-regulate myself to remain consistent. Yeah. People follow and commit and trust to consistent people. Yeah. And so it, it's not that we don't have negative feelings or negative emotions is that we have to be able to assess them. Yeah. But then we have to be able to regulate, redirect and control them. Yeah. I'm pretty good at like being calm, cool, collective all the time, which right. is a good and a bad thing. Right. <clears throat> Brandy gets mad at me. My wife gets mad at me a lot. Cause I'm like, I don't necessarily show emotion very much. <laughs> so I could be like inside being like pumped up and excited. But on the outside, I'm like, Cool. And awesome. she's like, come on. And she's like, just show me some sort of emotion. <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably too good at this. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. But that's the thing. Like you said, like sometimes we have to regulate, okay, we are excited. Mm -hmm. How do we redirect that? How do we show that to motivate, to inspire things yeah. like that? So I wrote down some practical ways to self-regulate here. And it's something that we talked about before in like the 30 day challenges episode yeah. about like fasting and challenges and things like that. But one of the ways to, to practically better yourself, in self-regulation mm -hmm. is to practice denying yourself something that you normally want. Okay. We're in the middle of Lent right now. Yeah. You're in the middle <laughs> of helps. Lent right now. So like the reason that you give something up is so that you can, you know, get more of what you want or what right. you need in, in the same way when it comes to fasting or any of these challenges, like, mm -hmm. okay, we, we stop eating that even though we normally would so that we can build up some more self-control or yeah. another word for it is more self-regulation. Yeah. Right. So that's a practical step. The second practical step to self-regulate, and this is an important one is giving permission to certain people to tell you what and when you need to regulate. That's big. It's a big deal. You have to have accountability. Yeah. You know, I think that Courtney is a massive one on that for me and, uh, whether she intends to or not, but she would check. Did me. you give her permission to do that? Oh yeah. I give her permission. <laughs> I think that was a whole part of the wedding vows. <laughs> True. Right? Like check yourself before uh -huh. you wreck yourself. She well, would definitely know. check me. Um, but no, that's a big deal is yeah, giving is. other people, you know, my pastor, my dad, and some of my best friends, I tell them, I'm like, Hey man, I've given you permission to like, if you see me get out of line and in the way that my attitudes are, or yeah. the way that my attitudes fluctuate, the way that I lead, the way that I talk, the way that I think, you start to see things that are not in line with what you know I want for my life. Yeah. Check me. For sure. You know, that accountability is huge. And the third thing, this seems way different than the others, but starting <clears throat> your mornings well. It's different, but it, yeah, same results, man. Think it's clutch. It, that's tied so much to how you self-regulate. Yep. Because if you start your morning off chaotic, if you start your morning off always playing catch up, it's going to be really hard for you to self-regulate the rest of your day. Yeah. So it, do you find any of those things practically, or would you like to add anything else to like kind of how you self-regulate? Yeah, it's funny. This week, I'm, I'm four days strong into starting my mornings at 4. I wake up at 4.15, Crazy, bro. get to the gym at 4.30, and uh, we're talking about pre-workout before yes. this. It's very reliant on that pre-workout to get me going. <laughs> 4.15, yes. I need the extra scoop. It's it, But it's starting my day like – 
I don't have to do it at the end of the day. So I'm, I have more time. Right. And I'm also like motivated and in the morning, I'm just like, I'm up and at it. So this morning, the first day four into this, I don't know how long it's going to last, but right. today the alarm went off and I was like, oh, I think I could probably sleep in today. Maybe just catch up on it tomorrow. But proud to say that's right. Woke up and I did it. But yeah, starting your mornings off is, is one of the things that I do a lot or try to do a lot. Um, and yeah, giving people permission to call you out right. on, on your stuff. Right. Um, you know, we, uh, Victoria on our team, she, she said something last week and she, she mentioned like, I feel like I said something that was kind of like mean, so I don't want to have that mindset. So call me out if I'm ever doing that. I was like, I don't even remember what you said, but right. yes, that's great. And I said, do the same for me. If you feel like, I mean, in real estate, we feel like we vent a lot, yeah, right? There's sure. a lot of things that kind of push buttons and it's easy to kind of go on a tangent. For sure. But yeah, if you have your team or your brokerage or just people in your office, like, hey, hold me, hold me accountable. Yeah, don't, don't let me talk like that. Yeah, you have to extend that invitation. Um, some people, they don't mind telling you what they think. Yeah. <laughs> but for most people, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to step on anybody's toes and bring that up. But if you give them permission to, they will. You know, we've been giving you guys permission to check us on this podcast. Yeah, and nobody's done it yet. No, y'all, they're That's, all too polite. You're too polite. You don't give us any sort of negative feedback. On, I know we're not something. doing that well. Yeah, we're giving you permission. Here it is. To do it. Perfect point. So we can self-regulate. But be so, nice. That's right. So that's what it comes into. When you're talking about your emotional intelligence, it's not enough to just be self-aware. You have to build that self-awareness and, and you have to self-regulate yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the third thing after self-regulation, and it's a big jump from here, but it's super important, is understanding your motivation. Now, we talked about this in the previous podcast about yeah, if you're struggling with your motivation, mm-hmm. you know, how do you find it? But your motivation simply is your passion to work that goes beyond the money and the status. Yeah. Right? Like, you have to have a motivation that extends outside of yourself because if you're just doing it for fame or for fortune or if you're just doing it for money, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to make it. Very hard. Yeah, we talk about this almost every episode. Yeah. That you need to know your motivation. You have to because when it comes to emotionally intelligent people – it's not enough to just know the content of your work. Yeah. Because when you just know the content of your work, if if you just better yourself at the specific task or the specific trade that you do, then you're going to be stuck to only that and you're not going to be able to grow with the people around you and yeah. you're not going to be able to actually um, to, to, to have that emotional quotient, yeah. that emotional intelligence actually grow. Absolutely. And, and so you have to ask yourself the question, what motivates you and are you even motivated? Right. Yeah. And to keep that fire going inside you, we talked about this a lot with that motivation time, is that you have to put yourself in environments to remind yourself why you're doing what you do. Yes. Right. Like you have to find yourself in those motivation rich environments, the positive motivation rich environments. Because we talked about this before again, that, you know, you can find yourself after work or at work around all the complainers. (laughs) <laughs> which easily get put under the category of just venting. Mm-hmm. You're not really venting. Yeah. You're just complaining, yeah. right? But it's important to put yourself in those right environments. So do you have like specific environments you try and find yourself in or put yourself in to, and it may be around people or it may just be getting outside or something. Yeah. So right now we're in kind of a temporary workspace and I have no windows in my office. Yeah, and I'll be honest. I'm in there for more than an hour. So like, just, I guess from a practical sense being, I love going to coffee shops, man. Yeah. Uh, besides the fact that I love coffee, but like, especially going to new cities and you have new coffee yes. shops, I just like being in creative spaces that just kind of, they, they create the, uh, or they fuel the creativity in me and also get to see people yes. and hear people, hear conversations. So being in that environment helps, but also like you said, just surrounding yourself. There's one of my friends just very successful at what he does and just being around people that are so, 
uh, you know, they're just so ingrained and, and they motivate you by, exactly by just simple it. sentences, but you have to put yourself around them to feel that same way. That's exactly you know? it. I think it's all about surrounding yourself with people. Like in the middle of work, I like being surrounded by people, yeah. but still we're, they're not distracting me from my work. They're right. working on what they're working on. And I'm working on what I'm working on, but we're all working together. Yeah. Like just today before this, Courtney, my wife, she does all like the admin and office stuff that we have to do for church. And mm-hmm. we're planning out our church camp and everything. And she just sat there with me and she was calling about buses and, and planning and all these different things. But we were working together right. and being in those environments. It is a synergy that gets yeah. you going and gets you motivated Absolutely. and it gets you working. That's why it's so important. We always encourage our people. Hey, I know that you can work at the house. Mm-hmm. But man, come to the come office. Come to the office. Yeah, you get around those other people. You kind of rub shoulders <laughs> with them, and those environments it helps fuel your motivation. That was one thing my dad told me when I got in real estate. He's he just said, make sure to go to the office. Yeah, I'm like, I have nothing to do there. He's like, go to just the go. office. Just hear what's going on. Exactly. Be available to like ask questions, and it does. It helps. It's huge. It's huge. And so. Understanding your motivation is pivotal. You have to ask yourself, what motivates you? Are you motivated? Surround yourself with motivated individuals and the environments that do motivate you. But you also have to challenge yourself to keep your motives pure. Yeah. Because if, again, if it just comes down to the work that you're doing, Mm -hmm. then it's so easy for your motivations to be impure. Yeah. Right. It's so easy to just say, well, I just want to get the paycheck. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to be able to cut corners. It's so be able, it's so easy to be able to cheat (laughs) because your motivation is not in order. Right. It's so easy, especially in real estate. You know, I had a challenging listing and, uh, you know how often realtors don't read the realtor remarks or the property (laughs) before they go. And, And this one particular listing had something about it that like, you would only read it and you wouldn't look at it from pictures. You wouldn't even notice it if you would went to see it. Yeah. You have to read the realtor marks or you have to read the property disclosures to make sure that this thing is known. And so it was hard for me to sell. And um, somebody texted me like, hey, we're sending you an offer. And immediately I just wanted to be like, okay, great, send it. But I just had to reiterate. I'm like, okay, let me keep my, my motives pure. <laughs> Did you read the realtor <laughs> remarks? Just putting it out there. Did you read it? Yeah, just want to make sure that you read it. And thank God they did. They said, yep, no problem. We're good to uh, go. Nice. But that was after two others that yeah, said, no, yeah. now that we see this, we can't, we can't move forward. Yeah. And so it's like, man, but if, if I was just simply, if, if I lacked motivation, then I would have just, you know, I, I would have just been motivated by the paycheck just motivated by the money and the status. Yep. And if you're not motivated for something outside of that and outside of yourself, yep. your emotional intelligence is just not going to grow. Amen, gonna brother. Grow. So the first three components that we talked about so far are emotional intelligence that has to deal with self-management skills. Right. Talk about self-awareness. You talk about self-regulation and you talk about your motivation, understanding your motivation. That's all about yourself. Yeah. And it's the old analogy, like we've already talked about before, about putting the, the oxygen mask on yourself you have to do that first. You have to self-manage before you can people manage. Yeah. So the first three are critical to be able to grow on the next one. And the next one is empathy. Empathy big. was probably not what you were expecting when it mm. comes to emotional intelligence. It's big. But it's huge. Yeah. It's huge in no matter what industry you're in. It's, it's huge in your relationships. To be emotionally intelligent, you have to have empathy for other people. Empathy is simply the ability to understand the emotional makeup of other people. Because when we communicate or, you know, when we have any kind of interaction with other people, we have to be able to empathize and understand somebody else's story. That's so big. And it's not even, we don't have to agree with their story. Yeah. We don't even have to agree with what they're saying, but to make them feel seen, to make them feel accepted while we're still either trying to sell them a product or a service or challenging them with what we think is truth. Yeah. I've I've got a a friend who, uh, I mean, he's so good at like just kind of having that 
that context before yeah. he makes assessments on things. And he's caught me one time where I made a comment of like, man, it's, just, it's frustrating at this. And he kind of came back really quick and was like, well, it's because he grew up this and this, this. So I, I'd be the same way if that happened. I'm like, Ooh. Whoa, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, for one, you just Jesus juke me. <laughs> exactly, but for right. two, it makes so much sense because yeah. he had empathy for his background, his yeah. upbringing, and that explained why he was the way that he was. 100%. And he was so aware of that. And like it, it convicted me. Like, yeah, I need to have a little more conviction towards exactly. people's upbringing and right. stories. And, and, stuff and like we're that. dealing with clients in, in whatever industry that you're in. A lot of times it is high stress situations, whether yep. they're making large purchases, like with what we deal with. Mm-hmm. So people go through like a temporary form of insanity while they're making this decision. And so a lot of times the way that you're speaking, they're speaking to you or communicating to you. It's just out of fear or confusion or yep. misunderstanding. And, you know, they may have been told something by their parents or they may have been grown up a certain way. And so like being able to extract that information as yeah. opposed to just assuming they're just mean, they're just rude, they're just nasty. Yeah. Having empathy for people and putting yourself in their shoes and being able to understand them more yeah. is so critical to actually be able to grow your emotional yeah. intelligence. And there's so many layers. There are potentially so many layers to it. Like 100%. speaking from from our experience with fostering, like you can get frustrated with maybe the behavior of a child, but then again, you got to think, how were they raised? Like, why are they even right. in this environment? And you think about their their upbringing or their situation, what put them in the the, the system. And then you can even go deeper of like, well, maybe those parents also went through this and there's just so much stuff. And like, but to be aware of that helps you to be a better parent or a better caretaker. It makes you you be, it's the same thing with our children for sure. Like when Lucas comes home, like Courtney just sent me a text about my two year old coming home with Lucas had a hard time keeping his hands off his friends today and pushing everybody. And I'm like, immediately I'm like, Lucas stop. But even having empathy for my children, like, we just got off of a cruise. Mm-hmm. His schedule is all out of whack. Yeah. He hasn't been sleeping well. He hasn't been feeling well. So mm-hmm. even having empathy for our kids, having empathy for our spouses or significant others, having empathy for our clients allows us to put ourselves in their shoes, to understand their stories, and to see their actions from yeah. a different perspective. Absolutely, man. And so I, I can't take credit for this, but you saw me you write this quote. Yeah. And you loved I read the it. quote. Like, I heard it from a Chris Hodges podcast talking about the same topic, and he said, let's be great journalists and terrible judges. That's awesome. It's pivotal because it's so easy to make a presumption or, or an assumption about somebody when you either talk to them on the phone or you're messaging them or you have an experience with them mm-hmm. and it was a bad one. Yeah. And it's so easy to judge that person as opposed to jur- like being like a journalist and mm-hmm. extracting information yeah. and learning more about why they are wired the way they're wired. Yeah. And then you're going to be able to serve that person better. You're yeah. going to be able to create a deeper relationship with that person as opposed to just judging and casting that relationship off yeah. to the side. We've been learning some, uh, his name's Phil Jones. He wrote a book called Exactly What to Say. Yeah. And his big premise is like understanding people's motivation. You have to ask, you have to be curious. You That's have to right. Ask curious questions. And sometimes you can f- extract some things and sometimes you, you may not want to go down that path because people not, may not want to share. But, right. but being curious and, and understanding their situation by asking those questions. Yeah can get you to their motivation. It's the whole thing. Like this emotional intelligence thing is starting to be summed up by nobody knows what you know until they know that you care. Exactly. And so what you're doing is you can have all the information and knowledge in the world, but if they don't know that you care about them, Mm -hmm. you don't have that emotional intelligence to be able to show them that and to be able to understand that, then the other stuff doesn't matter. And so that's what we finish with. The last part of emotional intelligence is your social skill. All four lead to having this. Having social skill. And it's simply this. It's the ability to get people into move, to move in a direction that you and they desire. Yep. That sounds super salesy. Yeah, yeah but, it but does. It, but it's what we want. Right. It's what we want even in our relationships with our spouses. 
It's like, hey, we're growing this marriage so that we all grow in the same direction. Yeah. It's uniformity. Like exactly. the direction you and them desire. You and so them it's not desire. just you desire. I'm not forcing you to do something you don't want to do. Correct. You're understanding their motivation and helping them get to where they want to go as Correct. well. Correct. It's not moving them to the outcome that you want. It's moving them to the outcome that's good for them, even if they don't know it. Yeah. Sometimes it's that way with clients. It's definitely that way with children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Absolutely. They don't know. We know better than them. Yeah. And sometimes it's like that with our clients, though. It's like, hey, we kind of do know that this is the best deal for you. Yeah. So we're trying to get them to move that way. And practically speaking, the way that we do this is by actively listening. Yeah. Right. And we actively listen to any of our clients or any of our friends or any of our relationships when we bring more clarity to the conversation. Love it. Like when we really hear what people are saying, but you really can't hear what people are saying unless you don't make those assumptions about them. And you shut up and listen. (laughs) And you shut up and listen, right? Like we got to be able to hear other people's perspectives clearly. And that's what builds respect and a healthy relationship with them. Right? Absolutely, but your social skill—it also is—is—it's is, your proficiency in managing relationships and motivating people, right? Mm-hmm. It all builds up on you being self-aware, you being self-regulating, so that you can push people when they need to be pushed, mm-hmm. and back off of people and love on people when they need to be loved on. So it's a massive deal. But you know, if you just had to sum it up, it's friendliness with a purpose. Friendliness with a purpose. Yep, friendliness with a purpose, and um, you know when you think about all these different things, when you do all five, self-awareness, self-regulation, understanding your motivation, your empathy and your social skill. Uh, I, I think it, in closing, what I would ask you, you write those five down and do an assessment on yourself. Absolutely. Like say like, okay, how well do I do awareing the, being aware of the emotions that I have? Okay. And then when I'm aware of the emotions, do I have, can I actually regulate them? Yeah. Do you, are you lacking motivation? Do you understand your motivation? Do you find that you're empathetic for people or do you feel like you don't have very much social skill? Like whatever it is, give yourself an assessment, kind of give yourself a one out of 10 grade. Mm -hmm. And then after you do that, how can you improve that? Write these things out, make an assessment. And I I wouldn't just hop online and say, (laughs) what is my emotional IQ and take one of those tests? Yeah, I would do that. I would start in those five categories. Be very honest with yourself and maybe ask some of the people that are closest to you. Yeah how do you feel like I do in these different areas? Maybe they may not understand your motivation. May that be something that you have to do yourself, but give yourself this assessment and then find out what you think you could improve on the most. What do you think you could improve on the most? Oh, I'll go to the PC answer and say I could do all of them. But uh, I think specifically for kind of this and speaking in in terms of real estate in this market we're in like past during COVID years, business would come to us, right? Right. It was so easy to sell real estate or to get business. Should I say, now we're getting into like, we're really having to understand people's situations. People aren't That's right. aren't buying and selling just because they want to. They're yep. doing it because they have to. So we're kind of crossing that line of like salesmen. 100%. Like you were sales role, yes. Sure. But like we, we definitely have the mindset of like, we're just here to help people. Right. But we're also having to con- like convince people sometimes that, hey, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's the best move for you to buy or sell. Right. And it feels weird. Yep. So I think for me, it's easy to lose track of the empathy sometimes yep. of like, hey, look, it's definitely not the time for you to transact in real estate. And that's going to cost you a, a sale. Exactly. Right? But exactly. again, if you have that motivation and you know in your mindset, this is a career, it not, not a year. But yeah, having uh, being more in tune, I think is very important. Being more in tune to empathy right now is, is it's huge. Clutch. Big for me too. Yeah. Big for me too. About, uh, is that kind of the same answer for you? That's it. Yeah, I think it would be empathy as well and developing my social skill more for sure. Yeah, you're pretty socially... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think that sometimes I don't know what buttons to press. I'm kidding. No, I know. But we uh, yeah. So if you want to make twenty nine thousand dollars extra, 
That's all you need to do is just listen to this podcast, put those five things in action, and you're going to make $29,000 more this year. Rhett said it himself. (laughs) Guarantee it. Money back. Uh, but yeah, anything else to add? No, that's it. Yeah, that was helpful. Lots of good stuff. This this is probably our longest one, but there's so much good stuff, and you killed it, kind of narrowing it down to, to 30 minutes or so. <laughs> Better than two weeks. Better than two weeks. Uh, but yeah, hope this helps. Uh, you know, listen to this multiple times if you need to. It's take a notes. lot of, a lot of stuff in there for you to take notes on. Um, reach out to us if you have any sort of like questions and yeah. topics you want to hear about. We'd love. For you, we need to start asking for reviews. Man. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be clutch for us. So yeah. uh, be on the lookout for that. But yeah, go like our stuff, share our stuff. We're honored to uh, just to be able to share this stuff with you. And we again, we want some negative feedback. We're giving you permission to let yeah, us know. Just make something up. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.